and welcome to the Respectfully podcast, your regular conversation with the industry about all things hairdressing. My name's Nikki Pope and I'm your host for today. I'm joined for this edition of Respectfully by Dove Palmer. Now, Dove is a hairdresser who comes originally from a very small village in southwest England, but has literally made the world his workplace. Dove travels to educate, train, present shows and collaborate with companies literally all around the world. Two years ago, he launched the International Precision Cutting Championships using his network of contacts from around the world to ensure that there are already many, many participating countries, even in these early years. I'm fascinated by how Dove is a very precise, ordered, considered focused hairdresser and yet he's also extremely creative and imaginative and I think he has a fantastic personal signature brand which is kind of quite cool and retro. So I've asked him to come along and talk with us about how you can be both disciplined and organised and ordered but yet also be very imaginative and creative that one doesn't cancel out the other. Join us and I hope you'll be intrigued. and welcome to my guest today, Dove Palmer. Come in, make yourself at home. Oh, brilliant, Nikki. Thanks for having me. It's really nice to see you. So I'm chatting to you through the magic of Zoom, which hopefully we're all going to use a bit less of going forward. But it gives us a brilliant opportunity to get to know people that we don't necessarily come across very often. Now, you and I know each other quite well. Yes. We've worked together on shows and education and helped each other out of of uh well not sticky situations that sounds a bit uh, yeah. adventurous but we have helped each other out on things yeah. let's start off with yes. people who don't know you so well how what's your elevator pitch how do you introduce yourself at parties and explain what you do <laughs> yeah so um myself i didn't start hairdressing until i was in my 30s um, before that I was a painter and decorator I wanted to go to college I wanted to do a fashion course but unfortunately at the time um, the course was cancelled and my mum and dad were hairdressers back in the 60s oh, so they yeah. always yeah, yeah I yeah, didn't yeah. know that no no <laughs> I don't think many people do and they um, my dad actually used to um, run the, the hairdressing shop on a ship one of these ocean liners that went around from country to country cruise ships and my mum was actually employed by him. Now they changed all their life, but basically my mum used to always say, hey, go and be a hairdresser. And I was like, no, I'm not really sure about this mum. My, my friends, they're all builders, farmers, because I'm from Somerset, uh, which you can probably hear in my voice when I- Yeah, a little lazy. bit of a, of a, uh, yeah. <laughs> a West Country twang. Yeah, <laughs> I, wait till I have a drink and then it, it all goes oh, okay. But um. So mum said, you know, have a go. And I was always like, no, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think I'd like to. And then I got to 30 and I was like, I need to do something different in my life, change my direction and, and try something new. So I, I had a girlfriend who was moving up to Birmingham. And Birmingham, they had this college there called the College of um, Food and Creative Arts. And uh, I decided that I, I'd go up and try and I went and started, and the first day I walked into the salon there uh, in, in, in the, the, the college, it was like, this is, this is the perfect job for me. This is something that I really like. It was the opposite of everything that I'd ever done. It was clean, it, was, it had a um, very social side to it, and there was some sort of creativity. Right. Um, so 
I, I started there and then I was very, very lucky. Uh, I got a job in a, in a salon, which is an awful name. Well, hopefully you're not listening, but it was called Derek's. I don't know if it's there. Run by somebody called Derek, I hope. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. It was Rent-A-Chair. And I, I went I went to Salon International while they were doing the main show. And I went into the little foyer, you know, the way where they have all the... Um, the different stores and everything. And this was when it was at Wembley, I think. Yeah, probably. Uh, Around and, that uh, time it moved. Yeah, it did, yeah. I think it was the following year it moved, or two years later. And there was a store there, and not a store, but, you know, one of the big companies. They, I loved what that was going on. I thought, this is amazing. So I decided to pack my bags and move to London. I moved to London. Uh, I stayed at my sister's house. I did the trade test. It took me two and a half months to get the trade test. And luckily I got in. Now, I was very lucky at the time because it was when 9... It wasn't lucky for 9-11, but it was when it happened. And the, the boss of the company or the creative director couldn't travel, so he ran staff training. So very, very quickly, um, I sort of was able to be involved with the right people. And before I actually qualified, I actually had three models in a collection and one of my my models was photographed for a collection. So this sort of helped me and I... I left staff training, went into the schools, and I worked there for over 10 years where I did many yeah. of the, the DVDs, the collections of videos. And then I started my own brand um, with my partner at the time, uh, Mazella and Palmer, which was 12 years ago. And this was all about um, actually trying to put education in a different way from the way it was being done at the time. And this is when we started to do all of the, you know, I was on Instagram, we were independent, um, and it wasn't really happening at the time. So it sort of elevated us, we sort of grew. Uh, and then two years ago, um, a year before the lockdown, I started Palmer & Company International because I wanted to go in a different direction. You know, with any business, Nikki, people have their directions, their goals, and things change as you go through yeah, life. I'm I think you I'm have sure to... Yeah, move. Yeah. You, it's, I think it's one of the biggest skills in life is being able to let go of things. Yes. Um, and I'm not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Collecting things, you know, whether it's things or people or projects. Yeah. But I think it is often that ability to evolve and that allowing yourself to evolve and yeah. go hopefully forward, not backwards most yeah. of the time. But I think it's a good strength to have. Yeah, do you know? Do you know? It was also because everyone has their own views on things, whether it's music, fashion, food, culture, friends, people they like. You know, everyone has a different view, and you get drawn towards different people. And when you're when you're actually in certain environments, you are drawn towards the people that are in that environment, mm. not necessarily the people that are best for you. Yeah. Um, and as I'm a 50 now, and as I've got to 50, I've, I've realised that, you know, I, I need to now at 50 do what I, I want to do. Yeah. Go in the directions and spend time with the people that I want to be with. So this has led me to uh, running the company that I have now. A lot of my, my sort of partners or clients that I've worked with over the years um, are now starting to open up and work again. So it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's been an exciting it's journey. It's interesting, yeah. isn't it? yeah. Now, I think one of the reasons I wanted to have a chat with you today is that in the past 12 to 18 months, we have all had more opportunity in some ways to be more creative because we've had to be left to our own devices. That was really interesting. Do you have to be naturally creative or can you learn it? Is it like a muscle that you can exercise? Uh, 
Do you know, actually, um, it's, it's like anything. It's all about the environment you put yourself in. Right. Because people are, in, I, I believe anyway, people are influenced um, by the people they spend time with, what they see, emotions, feelings. Um, and as you get older, these do grow and become something that you, you yourself um, understand more. And I think, I think this is understanding what you like. Now, I'm not sure if somebody who has no uh, inkling towards that can actually pick it up and, and do it. I don't think that's probably possible because we all, we all have our own ways, our own things. Um, something that, you know, I, was, I, I can't remember who said it. I mean, Einstein was talking about, you know, you might not be able to do one job. You might think it's a school, you might think you're stupid. It's something else, but it's like, what was the word? If you take a fish out of water, he can't swim. You know, he, yeah. he can't swim, so he's in the wrong environment. But you put him in water, he can yeah. swim. So if you're in the right environment, this can actually bring you out. Right. It can actually help you sort of grow, and it can help you see certain ways. Work with so many people over the years who, some people with hairdressing are very technical now, but their creativity isn't, they don't have a creativity to it. It's a structure, it's, a, it's, a, a, it's a, a format that they're following, a design. Now you meet other people who are very, very creative. Their mind thinks in different ways. They see things in different ways. They feel things in different ways. So those sort of emotions and also their mindsets create these, these wonderful things that they do. But I do believe it's a lot to do with environment. And I do believe it's a lot to do with, you know, um, keeping your eyes open as well. Right. And how much do you think it's what you leave out rather than what you put in, which yeah. can make something very successful? But also it's about exploring and researching things. How yes. do you suggest people really explore that concept, research it? Yeah. Well, do you know, everybody works in different ways, but what, what, I, what I've seen now is that the world is a bigger place. It's, it's more open. You can find things um, that weren't there before. Now, if, if, if you think about 20 years ago, um, the internet was just starting and people would, would search things through books, yeah. magazines. Yeah. They, would do, they would do mood boards. Yes, we had so, piles of tear sheets. You, nobody ever yes. talks about tear sheets anymore, but no. literally we would tear things out of magazines and that was your exactly. tear sheet. And yeah. you know, if I printed something for somebody, they'd say, can I have a tear sheet for my collection yeah. or something? Exactly. So you'd have all this information, you'd build it up, but you'd have to research it. Now, the problem is, I think, in today's, today's world is people are following a lot of other people. They're especially with, because um, I think education, hair, uh, education hair, salon hair photos and competition hair photos are very, very different. The competition hair photos are, are very led, and you see this repeating of the same images, the same models, the same photographers, because they're following what's happening there. I think um, Salon is really going for a beauty look. You know, this could be uh, dictated by product brands, but when you come to education, um, education people, they, they sort of look at it in a different way. And with today's sort of culture of the way everything happens, it's really at your fingertips. You know, for, for me, when I start thinking of an idea, I, I look at everything, Nikki. As far as visually goes, I mean, for example, today, I, just before I spoke to you, I, it's a nice day. I went for a bicycle ride. I went down to Camden. 
I had to walk around the, the stores, having a look at what was happening. And as I was riding down, I rode through um, um, Tufnell Park and I run, I run through all these different areas. And there was um, so many different people out. And then you see many, many, what they're wearing, what they're doing, uh, their makeup, um, their clothes. So th- there's, there's that visual side of things. Um, which you can you can pick up just making sure you keep your eyes open, but Instagram, um, again Google these these are things that are really um, really can influence you. But how now, do you decide what to look at though? Because there's yeah. so much, there's so much, and it's not all good. Yeah, exactly. Well, th- this this is again a very very interesting thing because again you have to think about who you spend your time with, the people that you align yourself with for your life, and this will happen more naturally as you get older. You end up people you spend time with before you don't spend time with later on, so you get different tastes. Um, when you get more control over what you you like, when that becomes when you become slightly older and you start being more confident in yourself then you, you start to have your own views on things. So, so with, with myself, um, again, I'm not so much looking at the hairdressers and what they do. I actually don't really look at anybody else's collections or work. I just see stuff popping up for people I like and, you know, uh, friends of mine that I've made over the years, and this can influence you. But some, something that's very, very interesting, I think, is, is again, you know, uh, youth culture. This is something that actually every one of us has gone through in our lives. As we're growing up through, I mean, for me, I was growing up in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. But I was growing up in a different, very different environment from somebody, because I was in Somerset in a little village, from somebody who may be up in Manchester. It's different lifestyles, so different levels of money. This makes a big difference as well. If you have money or don't have money, how that will actually affect how you look at things. Yeah. So, I mean, for example, a young lady that um, I've been working with lately that's sort of really inspired me for actually opening my eyes is a lady called Sophie McCockadale. Now, she's a colorist. Um, she actually, um, she worked for many years in Sassoon's. We, she's a, she she's, does documentary, makes films. She's a photographer. Um, and just speaking to her and sort of spending time with her, has opened my mind to um, seeing things in different ways. She likes to keep a camera with her and photograph just things that she sees. Yeah. Now, this is something that I've done over a period of time as well. I used to, went back back 15 years, 20 years ago, they used to have these little cameras called Exaslim cameras. They were like credit card cameras, oh, only yeah. one or two pixels. Yeah. And I used to have it in my back pocket. Yeah. And I used to just photograph things I liked, different things I saw images and so on and so on and then when I sort of go home with the internet I might see something I've seen some graffiti or I've seen an alleyway that had an amazing sort of um, beauty to it on the walls painted very very interestingly and you google that street and you'd find out oh photographers have taken photos in that street and you look at their work then and then you start sort of looking at their work and then obviously on Google, other things come up from different artists. So it starts to spread your view on how you see things. Youth culture today, it runs through many things. First, it runs through music. Music is what actually affects us all as we're growing up. Yeah. Our first emotions actually come, I believe anyway. Obviously, we have our visual emotions. We get our influences from our family and our friends. 
but then we start listening to music and that makes us feel a certain way inside. Yeah, even if you're not a music devotee, you associate music with, even if it's the sound of the ice cream van going, yes. or the merry-go-ride, or the signature tune for a television show. Yeah, we have theme tunes of our lives. Uh, in the 70s and 80s. I didn't like the fashion. I didn't like the stuff from that time. Flares, oh my God, I would never wear a pair yeah. of flares. But I bought a pair of flares three months ago and it's my favourite pair of trousers. <laughs> I, wear, I wear them all the time. Now that is associated with certain periods of time, yeah. certain music, certain fashion. Um, so these sort of youth cultures, uh, the music that comes from this, uh, and also, you know, the, the small groups that it creates, um, this is a great way to start looking and experimenting or seeing different ways. I mean, one of the the way the Instagram pages I follow is Old Dogs Books. Now, this yeah. is, I know it's a, a greatest <laughs> cool name. Yeah. And, if you, and if you actually have a look through it, um, there is just shots from all these period from, you know, from when Adam Ant was around to to the mods to the skinheads to you know it's like following the pathway find something that interests you and follow that pathway through it exactly and also by looking at things like these Instagram accounts and so on it also reminds us that saying 80s music it isn't just one kind of music in the 80s no. you've got punk you've got uh, yes. new romantics you've got Bubblegum pop like bass to you know, that's all <laughs> yes. 80s. I like going around the record shops and, and my favourite bit is actually looking in the, in the, the, the bargain bucket oh, yeah. because you get, you get, get the stuff. That no, <laughs> yeah, basically. And, you, you know, you flick through and the covers of these albums are sensational. Keeping your eye open for not just, um, like you say, fashion, but music yeah, imagery that comes from, yeah references and stuff it really does so you did a, a, um, a collection called um, the social yes so talk about that because what does what does that mean to you and how and do you recall how you developed that then as a, as yeah. a theme for that shoot so so basically what happened was um i was on instagram and i was flicking through some some images and this image came up and it looked very punk, uh, Vivian Westwood. And I was like, this is very cool. The makeup, the clothes. And I thought, oh, this is punk. Now, I spoke to a good friend of mine, Paul Stafford. Now, if anybody knows Paul Stafford, this gentleman, he knows his, his youth culture. Yeah, he knows history. his music and history. And, and we've done some events together. And for me, it was an eye-opener because we got together... And I showed him this image and said, what do you think of this? I like this for the, the new collection. And, and I said, you know, I think it's sort of very, you know, going towards punk. And he said, well, actually, what I see there is I see um, London Clubland at the beginning of the 90s. And I looked and I was, wow, do you know, you're, you're right. You're right. So I started like, Googling again, looking at all of these sort of images. And the makeup and the clothes and the styling started to pop up from these sort of periods where people used to go to clubs, dress in the most crazy outfits. But this sort of was like a kickoff to it. So from that, where, where I went from there, is I, I started sort of thinking about um, that period of time that we sort of ran from um, the sort of 80s going into the 90s. Now, I, I wanted to do a street shoot. 
That was my whole idea. But guess what happened? It rained. Mm. It rained yeah. all that period before. Now, this was with Sophie. I told you about Sophie earlier. Yeah. Now, Sophie is a filmmaker. She does this amazing, amazing images. Every time I speak to her, she sees things in a different way. And, it, and we started looking at street shoots. We looked at different cultures. We got mood boards together. And we started working through uh, different feelings. Now, because we couldn't work outside, then I thought, all right, this could be brilliant because the clothes, they're mixing between the 80s and 90s. So there was a social club that I went down to in uh, Brixton, which was called Ephra Social Club. Now, so then I started looking into social clubs and um, the, the culture from the social clubs at the time. And as anybody knows Northern Social Clubs and you see any imagery from it, I mean, these, these, these were just fantastic places. People got together to drink, play bingo, to go to discos and dance and, and just have a, have a great time with the family. So I started looking into this in more detail. Again, you have the Arctic Monkeys. And I don't know if anyone knows, they are one of the most amazing Northern bands who I, I, I believe have recreated themselves so many times with different music, fashion. Well, they did a song with a punk poet called John Cooper Clark. And this song was called um, I Want to Be Yours. And what I found was this song, um, it was really telling a story of how these people, is the, this, this guy was saying, I would do all these wonderful things for you. I would, I mean... Please, guys, after this, um, have a look at this song. Look at John Cooper Clark, the way he sort of says it, the way he speaks this actual poem, and then look at the way the Arctic Monkeys make it into a love song. It fit perfectly to this concept of somebody in the 80s, between the 80s and 90s, yeah. spending time in, the, in, the, in this place with their friends, having a drink, and there was these cool girls getting ready for a big night out. They were going to go out... And what they were doing, they were starting in the social club and they were going to go out, um, you know, partying. So from this, uh, it led to the story of the collection. Hair is very important. The hair is, is the key thing and the hair always falls down to the model. So what I do is I get the model and I see what suits them. This, this is what's great about precision cutting because you have to understand it in so much detail how the build-up shape, weight, how it affects where the hair falls, how basically it's a form of eye illusion. You use hair as eye illusion. You cover areas, you bring areas out, you draw the eye to somewhere else, away from somewhere that's not so pretty, but draw it to an area that is so pretty. Uh, and then what you're able to do is you're able to take this uh, and when you sit down with a model, it's not so much the hair. I do, yeah. the hair is important and it always has to work and it has to be right yeah. for the individual. But the emotion that's set around this, um, which was all these different inspirations we've talked about built to where the collection came from. The most important thing for me was actually not the photographs, but was the video. The actual video is this song from the Arctic Monkeys and this girl's just hanging out in this, this social club and it was open when we did it. So then you would cast the model before you decide what hair you're gonna do. I, uh, I street cast. I never use agency models. We find girls on the streets. Uh, we ask them to be a model. Uh, we obviously have to be obviously very careful because it's very scary for somebody who doesn't, um, you know, doesn't know you to go up and say hi. <laughs> you know, and again, all, all model hunting is very, very important. It's the way you model hunt. It's how you approach someone. You never go up behind somebody. 
you don't stalk them you need to go you know from the front and I, I my first thing is is about making them feel good as a human being you know I'd say you know hi yeah. sorry to stop you I, yeah. I see you've got a fantastic image now what I do is A, B or C um, I think you'd be great for this um, the worst thing you get from the worst thing you get from this is a great haircut uh, the most you get from this is, you know, you'll get a great experience, you'll meet new people, you get wonderful photographs yeah. and you have a great time. I can't, I can't work with somebody that, that doesn't give me the right vibe. I feel I have to trust them, they have to trust me and we have to sort of build, build the relationship together. And that's when you get your best work. Um, because then you can actually do what you want to do and not what's restricted to an agency or because right. they're going into another shoot with another hairdressing company in three weeks time and they can't change a haircut. It takes time. It takes effort. You walk the streets for many hours, but to find the right girl for your shoot is very, very important. Um, unless, you know, you yeah. work for the top company in the world that has the biggest budget that you can pay out, you know, which we don't, we don't have. We don't all have. Well, most of us don't have. And even if you do that, it doesn't mean it's going to be the right collection the right emotion so um that's something that we, we do personally and, I, and I, again i think for the photographer just to use the same photographer as everybody else then you get mm. the same work as everybody else no. you know i i've, I've yeah. always not always but i've worked through different photographers yeah. through the years and when you get the right photographer, yes, you want to work with them and you want to develop it but if it's something different from what you've done before um and it's not right for them. You shouldn't be afraid to try somebody yeah. else. You can always go back to that photographer when it's right for you. It, 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 it's, it's really interesting. I, mean, I said it at the beginning of the chat. You have to think of what you're, you're aiming towards, whether you're aiming for education hair photos, whether you have salon hair photos, or whether you're going for awards hair photos. Yeah. So you do, you do photographs to promote your work yes. to people who would then want to use you as an educator or yes. hairdresser and, yes. and, and also inspire the the people that i'm actually teaching as well because as 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 we were saying earlier a lot of work today nikki is is image awards it's photoshop it's wefts it's the same thing so i think when creating any form of collection and any imagery you have to really decide on what you want to do and what direction you want to go in because each direction is slightly different towards the audience that you want to take yeah so i think that's actually that's a very neat way of sort of drawing all the threads of the conversation together isn't it we have to think what is what you're trying to achieve on this yeah. particular project um you know how you want to challenge yourself or go with what's what you uh, uh, comfortable with to yeah. suit the end and then really work around it research yeah. around it it's sort of and my advice to add to yours would be do all the research follow all the little threads of of interest but then also be brave and yes. cut back you know my I see I see sometimes people have gone with projects or concept projects where they've got everything including the kitchen sink yes. in there you know yeah. and it's a bit like save something for another time yeah. you know you, you don't have to put everything you've learned about everything into one project yeah did you know that's actually a very good advice because you know sometimes people overcomplicate things uh, yeah. um, even with the clothes my, my advice would be as well if you're doing something that's focusing on hair 
then you've got to be very careful with the amount of makeup you're putting on because this yeah. can take awareness away from the makeup. If you have too many things going on in the background, again, this will take away from the, the you know, the, the hair. But if you're doing yeah. something more of an emotion, then yes, you can, f- you can focus on, on these yeah. things. Um, you can have more involved in it. And then again, it's deciding on what type of shot you want. I've never been a big one for portrait shoots. I do portraits, but um, if it is, I've done it in, 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 in landscape. You know, very rarely is, is, is it in a portrait and, um, and there's something going on. Now, I, I've, always, I've always sort of liked to see a full image in a photograph because hair is not just hair. Hair, hair has to suit from the toes to the, you know, the shoulders to the head. Yeah. Um, so again, to do shots where you do body shots from the knee, from the, from the, the stomach up, and then have your portrait shots as well. Um, yeah, I think you have to have both because to me, the way I describe it to people outside our industry is that, you know, if, for a hairdresser, a photograph is almost like a knitting pattern. You yes. know, it's almost like a, a, a set of instructions you would be able to look at a good hair photograph and tell me how it was cut, yes. how they've done things. Yes. And if the detail isn't there, if you can't see it, you can't do it. And I also think, and again, wanted to come back to it, you, you made a reference, film is, I think these days, you've got to film yes. your collections as well as photograph them. Again, to me, it's gone down following the sort of patterns of competitions who only ask for photographs, but actually more and more, film is really important and the last year has accelerated that even more. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've got to have a film. Well, this actually actually shows what your storyboard was. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It shows it what it really it really was was behind it, and 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 what was actually happening. And also, one thing, Nikki, you can't do. You cannot escape on film with a hair unless yeah. unless unless you're going to DreamWorks and having them retouch it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> put bits in. You see the real work. Uh, And that's and and, and the realism of it is this is what we do. We do hair and for it to be real um, has a different emotion, has a different feeling and has a different impact. Yeah, definitely. I think so. And there's many more platforms. We have a couple of TV platforms for hair and I think it's interesting to to, to do both. So do you you know, know, my my, my last words would be um, is, is don't worry about anybody else. Do, Do you know if you start worrying about what other people think, then you are going yeah. to start doing what other people want instead of what you want. And I believe in everything in life, you, you, you're most successful is when you actually follow yeah. your own road and you do what you want to do. So that would be my little bit of advice. And That's so insightful. Thank you so much for sharing oh, that with us. So we'll put lots of show notes <laughs> for people wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you scroll down and, and look at the show notes, I'll put some of the references in and give you links to the sites that Dove's talked about. Thank you. Oh, it's been my pleasure. It's been my pleasure. Oh, I really enjoyed that catch up with Dove. I think he's got so much to share and I know I take a lot from our conversations and I really hope that you have as well. If you like what you listen to, then please don't forget to share with your friends and colleagues and also to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts from on Apple Tunes or Spotify. It helps to drive us up the charts and make us easier to find. Until next time, thank you.